So this morning, I want to wrap up the study with Ephesians, what Paul talked about, uh, putting, kind of putting the icing on the cake. And they're, they're, this is arguably the most important uh, portion of Ephesians. And so far, we've heard that, you know, we are chosen, that we, we, we are life, we are one with Christ, we're family, we're loved by God. Aren't you glad you're loved by God? And he said, and Paul today, he, he prepares us for this, this one thing. He says, there's a war that lies ahead for everyone. How many know you're in a battle? Good. Three people know. The rest of you, we're praying for you. How many know you're in a battle? We are, so let's, let's get ready. Let's go ahead and dive in. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to start at verse 10 and 11. And it says, a final word. And it's summing it up. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on God, uh, the, uh, all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. There are three important takeaways from these two verses, and I'm going to talk to you real quick. Number one, the strength, true strength comes from God. True strength comes from God. What do you mean? Notice Paul tells us to be strong in the Lord and in the might and the, and the power of his might. Paul actually tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he says it like this. In your weakness, Christ is made strong. How many of you know that we're all weak? How many, let me ask you. How many of you got issues? How many of you have ever said a lie? How many of you have never said a lie? You, you're a liar. Anyway. <laughs> The bottom line is we're all weak. We all, have, we all have things that we deal with. We all have situations, circumstances. How many of you know we're in a journey in this life? And in a, if you're in a journey, that means there's things you're going to deal with. You will not find a single verse in the Bible where it says, be strong in your own strength. How many of you tried that one before? You know, I looked in the book of hesitations, and I found that when I try to do things in my own strength, some of you don't even know the Bible. What? I've never heard that. But a lot of times we turn the book of hesitations and go, what do I do here? And I've learned this. You can't be strong in yourself. You've got to be strong in God. See, all of Jesus' miracles started with a problem. What do you mean? All of them. Think about it. Blind Barnabas, the blind man. How about the crippled man? How about the leper? How about the, 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 the woman with the issue of blood? If you have a problem, I have good news. You're a candidate for a miracle. Listen, no problems, no miracles. And see, what happens, your weakness is an invitation to trust God's mighty power. That's what it does. God, I can trust you. The second thing I want you to see in this is put on all of God's armor. You got to put it on. Just like this morning, I'm glad you got dressed. And your neighbor looked at you and goes, me too. Because what armor does, it covers every area that we're exposed just like clothes do, it, it, it clothes us so we're not exposed. And so in other words, is it, I'll explain in more detail about the armor later on. But life is not a playground, it's a battleground. And I want you to understand, if you don't have armor, you will constantly walk around wounded. And I believe that there are people that are allowing their past to dictate what they do for their future. How many of you know that we all got a history? Come on, how many of you got some things you would let no one, you don't want nobody to know about what your histories are? Good, we won't be showing it on video this morning. Because what happens is we all have a history, but we can't allow our wounds, our discouragement, or what people said keep us in a place where we get quagmired and we don't move. We need to, we need to understand that the armor is going to help us to move on. And I want to talk about that a little later, but if you don't have armor, you're constantly walking around. Have you ever tried to exercise when you got hurt? How many ever tried to exercise when you've been wounded or you've been hurt? You see, you just don't perform the same when you're hurt. You just don't. When you're, you're slower, you can't, you can't perform at 100%. Injuries just slow you down. You see, I believe that some of us don't experience the fullness of Christ because we walk around with holes in our armor. We walk around with excuses. Well, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know what they, how they treated me. You don't know what my uncle said or what they did. or what. Listen to me. We all have issues that we've all dealt with. It's where you take those issues to. Someone said, well, I'm, I'm going to offend you. Well, Jesus said offenses will come. Said, the problem is you just don't need to be building a fence between you and a person. You see, the reality for all of us is we've all been wounded, we've all been hurt, we've all had discouragement, we've all had bad news at different times. It's how we respond when we have the bad news. Do we turn to God or do you just turn and try to have a pity party? Do you ever have a pity party? Come on, you invite people to your pity party and you say, the Bible says misery loves company. We can all talk, when I, when I used to do drugs, 
need to take, take a drink on this one. When I used to do drugs, no one was always talking about our happy times. We were all talking about, oh, yeah, they ripped me off. I'm feeling better, though. The enemy never takes a vacation. You may, but it'll go away. He'll pack his bags with you when you go on vacation. The third thing is Satan and demonic forces are real and have a strategic plan to destroy you. The enemy has no desire to wound you. He wants to destroy you. The Bible says this in John 10, 10. The enemy has come to rob, kill, and destroy. And the other portion, it says, but God, but Christ has come to give life and give it more abundantly. That means God insists stoutly. When I look at God insists that you enjoy his life, his plan, his desires. God not only has a plan for you, but God has desires to, to love you, to help you, to nurture you, to, to, to strengthen you. And, then we, and the enemy wants to lie to you and say, God doesn't care. God, why would God be concerned about that? The Bible says if God knows, listen, God knows the, the hairs on your head. And some of you go, well, I'm follically challenged. God knows when they fall too. If he understands how many hairs you have and he knows when a sparrow falls, he knows he loves you. You understand? What's hair compared to love? God's love toward you and me. Let me ask you, how many of you like to be loved? Look, in my family, I'm just going to be honest with you. I grew up where everybody hugged and kissed each other. I kiss my boys on the lips and go, oh, that's gross. I just do. It's just the way we, we do it around my house. Now, now, Luke's at the age, if I drop him off at school, we, we're going we're gonna to hug and kiss like five blocks before we get to school. <laughs> you know, like, no, you know, that, you know. But how many of you, how many, did you ever, did you, did you hear that his purpose, is, you know, how many of you are extremely competitive? Anybody competitive in here? Four people, five, six. Okay, let's be honest. How many of you are competitive? All right, let, let me just say, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I play a game, I play to win. When I play cards with my wife, we don't go to bed till I win. I'm the kind of dad, I don't let my children win. I beat them in every game I can. Oh, you're one of those dads. The reality is the enemy is playing to win. He wants to conquer. So why are all, why all this talk about armor? What, what exactly are we fighting against? So that's what I want to bring into to life. See, Paul's talking about this armor, and what is he really trying to say? Think about this. Paul was in a prison cell in chains, and there was Roman guards guarding him. And so when he talks about armor, I just think it's a metaphor where he's seeing, like, he sees these Roman soldiers guarding him, and he begins to think about, begin to meditate about, and begin to realize, you know what? This armor that represents, that I see on these guys, represents a battle that we face. We all need to be prepared for battle. How many of you know that we all are going to face battles in life? See, let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, For we, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of uh, uh, authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world. And against evil spirits in, in heavenly place. Our fight is not, your fight is not with your spouse. Your fight is not with your neighbor. Your, fa- your fight is not with your co-worker. It's the demonic forces. You know, so the question still remains, what are we fighting against? Let me tell you, every impulse in our soul that causes us to drift further away from God. That's what we're fighting against. See, how about the lust of the eyes? It doesn't, have to, doesn't mean that you have to look at pornography. It means you're looking for something. You're coveting what someone else has. You go, you know, I wish I had so-and-so. I wish I had this. Or power, or fame, or money, or the approval of men. That means you'd rather live in the approval of what people think rather than what God thinks. You see, nobody goes to hell because of the enemy, because of Satan. The only reason is they just stop fighting. They stop fighting against selfishness and sin. Sin is just selfishness. It's a me first attitude. It's a Toby Keith song. It's about me. It's about I. It's about number one. And you keep living that way, you'll just eat the fruits of that. Number one. It's me by myself. It's about I by myself. Listen, go lick your own wounds. But here's the reality. You know, I love what the old... um, Puritan John Owen said, he said, almost sounds like a Cajun. He said, be killing sin or, or sin be killing you. 
Let me do it with the accent. Be killing sin, Shah. Or be killing you, yeah. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your sin or your selfishness or can I just your hard heartedness or your pride. The Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to those that are humble. That means those that are real, those that are open, those that are transparent. God, Jesus loves that. He's not looking for you to become religious. He's looking for you to become real. Ephesians, the verse 13 and 14, therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. The reason many of us are so weak to resisting the enemy or sin is because we've left ourselves exposed. We're not putting on the armor. It's like this. Whatever I feed myself, I become like. You know the old story about the dog going around, you know, you've heard me share this story, the white dog and the gray dog. They went around from Mermontal to fight and they'd bet on them. The gray dog's going to win. The white dog, you know, they went up to Hathaway and everything. And one guy followed him. He said, how do you know which? He goes, I followed you. How do you know every time what city you go to and those fighting dogs fight? How do you know the, which one's going to win? He said, it's easy. Let me ask you a question. Which one do you think wins? The one I feed or the one I don't feed? The one that you feed. You know why? Because it's stronger. And whatever you feed yourself, that's what's going to win. Look, let me out. If you feed yourself Fox News, stand on that when the devil comes. I come to you in the name of Fox News. <laughs> Get behind me, devil. That ain't going to help you. It don't matter. I mean, whatever you're putting yourself into. You know, see, I believe this. Let me explain. Too many of us are more concerned about what we wear than what kind of life we live. Can I just say that again? That just went. Listen, too many of us are more concerned with what we wear than what kind of life we live. And see, the question is not if the battle comes. The question is when the battle comes. Because we're all going to face battles in our lives. You see, then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. That's what the whole scripture is talking about. That you learn to stand firm no matter what you go through, no matter what you face. The armor reminds us that Christ, Jesus, has already victoriously gone before us. He's won the battle. Are you hearing me? All we got to do is trust our Savior, that he saved us from ourselves. Aren't you glad about that? How many of you tried your best and it just got you so far? That was your best. But when you invited Jesus in, he, he's like, he took you places you never thought you would ever walk in. Walk in in victory and acceptance and having been able to overcome things that you never thought you'd ever be able to come beca- overcome because of him. Not because of you, because of him. I'm in the right church. Africans scream a little louder than y'all. See, for, for many, the battle comes and we're left bleeding on the floor. Why? Well, let me tell you why. There's six pieces of armor. And let, let me explain the purpose to you this morning. I'm going to explain. Ephesians verse 14, 614. Stand your ground. Say it me. Say stand. stand. You stand there till you find out what you're standing there for. It says putting on the belt of truth. Aren't you glad for belts? Belts hold everything up. And so, the, and the body armor of God's righteousness, the belt of truth. We all have to determine what is right. Don't we? And see, what we do is in our generation, what Francis Schaeffer said, you know, what one generation tolerates is truth. The next generation will embrace his truth. In other words, sometimes, you know, when my grandfather was around and he'd come back now, he'd go, y'all allow this now in your country? Or this is what you believe? I mean, come on. How many of you know that we've, we've seen an alarming rate of things being able to change in our society? Just in the last 10, 10, 12 years, things have like rapidly changed. I don't need to go about every issue, but you know, you can sense it. You can feel it. And I believe there's, it's going to even get more rapid. But see, what, what's happening, we all have to determine. You know, we can't determine what, what's right by popular opinion. You know, you can't go, which way is the wind blowing today? It's blowing away. It's blowing against you. That's where it's blowing. You see, for, for others, it's, it's your, you say, well, I just have instincts. You don't care whatever, I don't care what everybody else thinks. As long as your opinion is seen as fact. You see, Paul's saying the only way to escape the deception of the enemy 
is to allow the word of God to determine the truth. See these pages? These pages are a love letter to you and me. It teaches you how to be a good husband, a good wife, a good child, how to, how to deal with finances, how to invest money. It teaches you how to make the good decisions. When you don't know how to make a decision, you can find, you know, every good Christian book on finance, on marriage, or all those different things, they're all determined out of the Word of God. Are you hearing me? What we need to do is you need to get, like David said, I hid this thing in my heart that I would not sin against God. That's what Psalms 119, he says in Psalm 119. And see, Paul's just, he's saying this. Paul's saying the only way to escape deception of the enemy is to allow the word of God to determine the truth. The enemy will constantly bombard us with lies. How many of you have been lied to? Did you enjoy it? Like you would have kicked someone's tail when they lied to you, didn't you? Well, Pastor, you're not supposed to do that. Well, I'm talking about before you were a Christian. But even when you're a Christian, sometimes you go, Lord, just turn around just for a second. I'm going to pimp slap them. You know what I mean? See, Satan will constantly bombard us. See, from the beginning, the enemy's sole ambition has been to make us believe a lie. How does he do that? You know what? He wants to do two things. He wants you to doubt God's word. Go to Adam and Eve in the beginning of the garden. Did God really say, you know, you're not going to die. He, yeah, am I going to die? Remember, he had her doubting God's word. Not only that, ignore God's word. Just ignore it. If the enemy can get you to doubt and ignore the word, he can make a lie appear true, like the truth. You see, take abortion, for example. I'm just going to talk about this. The enemy convinces a generation that it's not a lie. It's about a choice. It's really a choice. No, it's a lie. Because you know what? My mom was pregnant for me when she was 16. I'm glad she made the right choice, but I was alive inside of it. It didn't matter if it happened and wherever it happened. Okay? That means, you know what? It's a lie. I don't care if it happened in the backseat of a car bed. I don't know. They don't have backseats in car beds. I think about it. We're not going there. If you don't familiarize yourself with the truth, you're capable of believing anything. Jesus said this, I am the truth. To know me is to know truth. He said, I'm the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No, no one can come to the Father except through me. The belt of truth is a passion to know God and his word. Even if it contradicts your opinion, it's my opinion, my will being crossed by the will of God. Listen, sometimes I look at, I'm going, I don't, I have to battle with things that says in the word of God. Are you hearing me? But if that's what it says, that's the way I need to do it. Thanks for all those amens. The second thing is the, the breastplate of righteousness. Take up the breastplate of righteousness means don't give the enemy any room to mess with you. Just don't give him room. If you give the enemy an inch, he'll take a mile. Oh, it's only, it's only one time, Pastor Bubba. I'll never do it again. Honey, it's just one time. I mean, that's like telling your wife, you know, like, hey, I got a girlfriend on the side just once a week. Yeah, bring that to your home. Bring that home to your wife. See what she thinks about once a week. And after you leave, you got about five knots on your head. You see... I didn't hear that, but I'm sure it was good. But anyway, (laughs) let God control every part of who you are. See, whatever's uncovered in your life, he uses it to attack you. What do you mean, Pastor? The breastplate is a piece of armor that covers all the vital organs. All of them. It's your heart. Above all, protect your heart. Who knows your heart? How many know that your heart is deceitfully wicked? And the Bible says, who can know it? You see, God's righteousness should saturate your life. Right, righteousness means this. Look at me. Right choices. That's all that big religious word means. Righteousness means right choiceness. How many of you know that sometimes we've all made bad choices? And we've eaten the fruits of those bad choices. But when we begin to make the right choices, we begin to, begin to eat the fruit of good choices. Isn't that good? Amen. And see... God's righteousness to saturate. Righteousness simply means thinking God-like in every area of your life. 
You see, Ephesians says it like this. Ephesians verse 15. For shoes, for shoes, put on peace. That comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. The shoes of the gospel of peace. The ancient Roman soldiers' primary mode of transportation was their feet. So their feet were very important to go to battle, to climb. They would march on hot roads, up mountains, cold snow. And if they didn't have a good pair of sandals or boots, the journeys were miserable. How many of you have had a bad pair of shoes going through the mall? You know what I mean? There ain't nothing worse. How many of you have had new shoes and they give you a blister back here and you go, that's the last time I wear them suckers. You know what I'm talking about? But what happens is it was important. Their feet were important. How many of you know, how many of you like having good, comfortable shoes? But see, good, I'm glad. It's not a feet ministry this morning. But what they would do, the Romans were serious about their footwear. But see, they would put bits of metal and nails at the bottom of their shoes to give them greater grip sometimes. They invented the cleats way before football and soccer came around. Why would they were so concerned about their footing? Because good footing allowed the soldier to march, climb, and fight, or whatever else necessary, if you ever notice. One of my favorite movies is Gladiator. How many of you have ever watched Gladiator, Russell Crowe? That made him. I wish Mel, Mel Gibson would have take, taken the part. But anyway, and I remember there's that one part, and it goes, you know, and he's walking his Maximus. You know, he's riding his horse, and he goes, you know, when, they, when you see the, the enemy, he says, unleash hell. I can't believe he said that. It's church, but it's a word, okay? And I remember what happens is they're putting their feet. Because what happened is the Roman soldiers would put things that were like cleats. They were called hobnobs. That's what they were called. They would plant themselves to embrace. Because what would happen when fiery darts would come at them, they, they had a way to, to keep them fiery darts from hitting them. We're going to talk about darts in a minute. But what they do, they put one shield in front of them and they put a shield over them. So when the fiery darts would come, they were totally protected. And see, what happens is, why are we so concerned about footing? Because God demands the same readiness of us. Are you ready for whatever journey you got to walk in? Are your feet ready to go where God wants you to go? Does, are you ready to go to pray with your, someone that maybe you work with at the hospital? Or maybe a relative or someone that's your neighbor and going to be, do something kind to them or to bless them or have a good word for someone that's having a lot of doubts or some physical things? What are you doing? Are you prepared to go where God calls you to go. You know that you might be the only feet that God can use to get you to go somewhere to minister to someone. What does minister say? Just be there. There's five Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Most people don't read those. But there's a fifth Gospel and it's called you. And when you show up, they see a living Gospel. And if you come there with good news because you've been feeding on this... And being in God's presence. And sometimes we can't be there, but we can pray. You know, you can go anywhere in the world with your prayers. You can pray for people that need God's help right there in that right moment. And you can be there with them in your prayers. That's what prayer is all about. Are y'all with me? In this passage, the gospel of peace refers to the good news that believers are at peace with God in every circumstance. That doesn't mean that you don't... Listen, the enemy will try to bombard you, but you have an inner peace that's a strength. It may not look good, may not smell good, may not sound good, may not feel good, but the peace of God is there. And see, Ephesians says it like Ephesians verse 16. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of of the devil. The shield of faith, fiery arrows are lies. Lies. The doubts of the enemy wants you to believe about God, about other people. We must remember that the enemy is the father of lies and will do anything to destroy our faith. This situation you're in may be out of control. Maybe you're in a situation, it's just out of control. Your future will be full of failure. How many of you know we've all fall, we've all fallen? We've all fallen short. How many of you know that we all got a history? Anybody got a history in the house? Come on. We all got a history. But that doesn't mean that's where we have to stay. We also have a future. And then one day, we'll match the face behind the voice that we heard while we're here on this earth. 
And I believe that you will, will, you know, we heard that voice speaking to us, guiding us, leading us. Then one day we'll match that face when we, get, we, we go to heaven. And it's not about getting a mansion. It's not about all those things. It's about being with him. Amen. To know him, to grow in him, to glow for him. That's what we need to be doing. The question, are you glowing for God? See, whatever you put inside of you, that's what's going to ooze out of you. You know, you've heard me say, you've heard me do this. Like, if this is you and whatever's in you and someone bumps in you, whatever's in you is going to come out of you. If it's filled with anger. (laughs) If someone bumps in, you got peace, you go, oh, I'm sorry. And they go, man, it's no problem. I got two feet. It's okay. You know, that's After all that water example, I needed some. This situation you're in, maybe I'd go, the future will be full of failures, just like your past has been. You know, let me just go, let me just, your divorce means you've messed up too much to come back and have a significant life. That's what people believe. You're not pretty enough for your husband to stay with. Those are lies that you were tempted to believe. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You look in the mirror in the morning and go, oh, baby, you used to be tight and right, but now you're sagging and dragging. <laughs> oh, well, you need to put a little blush on that. Oh, you know what I mean? Some, what is that, that stuff that get you, gets a gray out? Come on, for men, what's it called? What is it? Good for men? Just for men. All right, some of y'all been using that. Anyway. Just for men. Just for men. That's when you have to hold the shield of faith up. It means choosing to believe what God says about you rather than what the enemy says. Look, we've all failed. But that's not where you stay. You may have a history. I know people that, are, that have just messed up. And the, you know what our thing is? You know what? As Christians, we're to do? The Bible says that we're to go to them and to restore them. Instead of, you, I can't believe. You know, if you're looking for that church, I'll give you an address. I got a few I can send you to. But let me just tell you this here. We're going to love you. We'll speak the truth. We'll bring correction that brings direction. Are you hearing me? Because, see, I believe this. There's two ways to learn truth. Revelation or tribulation. And most of us have to go through the tribulation before we get the revelation. Are you hearing me? But it's okay. It's okay. See, if you can't receive correction, you'll never have the direction God wants you to go. I love all y'all. Y'all still looking at me like, if you get my perspective. Next verse, verse 17. Put on. Say it with me. Say, put on. Salvation is your helmet. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The helmet of salvation protects us from the blows and the doubts of insecurity. How many of you have ever been insecure? Golly, come on. You're all a bunch of liars. How many of you have ever been insecure? Come on. See, the enemy will point out your failures, your sins, and your unresolved problems. As, as you begin to... To, to buy into his doubts, you begin to doubt what God says about you. You begin to doubt what God believes about you. You begin to doubt what God says about you. If you were the enemy, if I was the enemy, you know what my number one objective would be? Is to get you to doubt the, God's commitment to you. How does the enemy work in marriages? Doubt commitment. Just doubt it. I did a marriage seminar in uh, one of the uh, one on a Friday night in, in Africa, and I remember I was doing it. I just talked about the three needs of a man, three needs of a woman. The first one I talked about, you know, the need of a, a woman is is is. Well, let me tell you, the man is. You know, what do y'all think the greatest need of a man is? Women go, oh, I know what that is. Pastor. No, it's not. It's to be respected. But the greatest need of a woman is to be listened to. 
I remember doing a premarital counseling one time, and I go, you know, the same desire that a woman has to be listened to is as strong as a man has the desire to be intimate with his wife. Cool, Pastor, that's strong. <laughs> yeah, it is. But here it is. Marriage is like a bank account. Whatever you deposit, eventually you can withdraw. But a lot of people are just overdrawn. And see, for you and I, we can't go to God like a bank. God, give me, 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 give me. How many of you got children that are under four? Give me, give me, give me, give me. Go into Walmart and they have that little checkout line. That's like the demonic line. All spirits of just are there. Children manifest themselves. Mama, give me, mama. How many of you going to come out? They don't come out. I'm sorry, I, I exposed it. There you go. Don't bring him to Walmart and check out line. No, I've been found out. Anyway. Because what the enemy wants to do, he wants you to doubt your salvation. Did I really give my life to the Lord? Did he really get did I really change? When discouragement sets in, we begin to lose. I'll hope of winning the fight. You know what discouragement means? It means the, the courage sucked right out of you. Just. You know, do you see how the enemy works? See, truth is we, are, we have every reason to believe that we can be secure in, in, in God, in our salvation. We've learned during week one, remember we talked about, the, you know, that we've been sealed in Him. In Ephesians it says, in Him also when you heard the word of truth the, of the gospel, that's the good news of salvation. It means that we can be saved. We can be part of what God's family and believe in Him that we were sealed in with the promise of the Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Think about that. One day, some of you going, man, I can't wait for my hair. Oh, Aunt Mabel, when she dies, we rich, honey. Quit worrying about your inheritance here on earth. What he's really saying, one day, when you die, it's going to be sealed. What they would do, they'd have a signet ring during that time. And what happened, they'd pour wax after they'd send a letter to you and they'd put that signet ring and no one was to break that seal. And what God's saying is, I've got an inheritance from you, for you that's been sealed. And when, when you get to heaven, that inheritance is going, to, it's going to be opened up and you're going to receive all that I've promised you. Isn't that incredible? That God has an inheritance for you and I. This is by far the most encouraging news the gospel has to offer. When salvation happens, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. And there's a guarantee of spending eternity with Jesus. In John, it says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Never. Never. Through salvation, Christ chooses you. And once he chooses you, he's incapable of rejecting you. Well, pastor, I blew it. I said this. I did this. Listen. The Bible says repent. Get right. And wherever you, you, whatever you, wherever you dropped off, wherever you stopped, when you get right with God, that's where you just pick up wherever you left off. And for some of you, the enemy... Because you haven't been clothing yourself with the armor of God, the enemies use guilt, shame, lies to keep you from growing in Him. Are you hearing me? And you say stuck. It's like you. It's like you ever have a, you know, like the old gears. I used to like the old three on the tree. You know, the trucks that you had three on the tree, and you get stuck in neutral. And some of you are going, "What's a three on the tree?" Well, okay, six yet. You get sick, and you're trying to shift. And you, and you just get stuck in neutral. And you're not going anywhere. God's trying to tell you. That's what lies do. It just keeps you in neutral. And you're revving. You're making a lot of looking, looking good. Making a lot of noise. All that stuff. That's religion. Relationship with God goes, put it in gear, baby. And then, you know, who's in front of the devil. God, well, I just hit the devil. That gum, that was good. That lie I've been believing. 
Some of y'all need a hit and run. In the spirit. Because, you know, when the enemy comes, run. You don't mess with him. Run. Run to God. Run the people. That's what life groups are about. That's what Next Step's all about. That's why we get together with men and women at different times. It's about, because look, you look at the thing about a soldier. You never win by yourself. Victory is always sweeter when you have people around you. And see, here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to isolate you. And he wants to put the blame game on you. Well, you know, no one likes you. You know why? Why? Because you're from Jennings. <laughs> yeah, that's it. How about the people who live in Lake Arthur? You live in Lake Arthur. Oh, what about halfway, half the way? You can believe all the lies of all the things, and sometimes when you look at them, they're just stupid lies. To keep you in neutral, or God's saying, let's put it in drive. Come on. I remember we used to, we, we, I grew up in Lafayette, and I remember we, you know, guys would have all these cars, and man, it's all show and no go. That's how people, I remember my friend, he had a souped up Volkswagen bug when the, when the Z28s were coming out, 1978, 1979, when they were all in the Trans Ams, the 6.6s, the 400 Pontiac engines. And I remember one day we were at, at it's Beaver Park, but now it's not Beaver Park, it's called Vermilionville. And we, were, we used to go race over there. And there was one guy, he had a bug, my, one of my friends, Doug, Doug Guidry. And he goes, all right. And this guy kept, oh, you know, I'm going to beat you. And Doug gets up there with his little bug. And, and, and they get, go. And his bug beat the snot out of him off the line. The guy finally caught, caught up with him, got a big V8, but embarrassed the guy bad. And can I tell you something? There's some people that are like that. They just rev their little range. Vroom, vroom. My daddy's this and my daddy's that. And, you know, I got this and I got that. And going to get them all show and no go. My daddy's God in heaven. That's what I got. Watch him go. Because by myself, I can do nothing. By yourself, you can do nothing. Are you with me? There's nothing that you can ever do that would break the seal of God. The last thing, the sword of the Spirit. This is the only piece of armor that's offensive. It's not offensive, but it's defensive. Let me make something very clear. You're putting armor on for a specific reason. You know why? To fight. The Greek word for the sword was makira, moshera. Meaning dagger, which means hand-to-hand combat. I love the imagery. The dagger was always there, hand-ready to attack. Listen to me. You need to be having the Word of God in you, no matter what, when the enemy comes to attack you. I love that, you know, you know they say that 80% of Americans own a Bible. But only 26% read it. I don't think it's 26% read it. I hope it is. But my question is, they may read it, but do they believe it? How, how, are you, how are you supposed to attack the lies of the enemy if you're not familiar with your weapon? The statistic is like a soldier. It's like going out to battle and you have all the armor on, but you forgot your gun. Hello? That's not a good thing. See, if you want to know the Word of God, you have to read the Word of God. Okay, let's, let me ask you. I'm not going to go there, but how many of you realize, and I'm not going to ask you to raise hands or anything, you just realize in your own heart right now as I'm talking about, I need to learn to read the Word of God. Listen to me. If you want to be a strong Christian, a loving Christian, an active Christian, you need to read this book. It's a love letter. Written by God to us. This book is filled with failures. This book is filled with hope. This, fil- this book is adventurous. It's funny sometimes. Hilarious when you read some of the stuff that people said and did. But yet it's also, it's like, it's like that movie when you think all, nothing's going to happen. All of a sudden, boof, God shows up and rescues them. You see... Verse 18 says, pray in the Spirit at all times and every occasion. Stay alert. Be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. See, this is the key to everything Paul says, saying in the last verses. The way we put on the armor is through persistent prayer. When I was in Africa, one of the first nights, the second night I was there, 
We actually got on the plane. We couldn't. Actually, Josh and I went to the airport with the team, and they wouldn't let us on the plane. We missed the first day. And we, I sent everybody in front of us. Malaysia cried, Pastor, don't leave me there. Listen, this is how much experience these world travelers are. Two people had never flown in their life, and one flew in the eighth grade. And Pastor Josh and I were going to lead them, and we couldn't go because we didn't have the proper paperwork to bring our, our children out of country. Because we said, we got a passport. So, no, no. They say that you need the birth certificate and the affidavit saying that their mother gives them permission to leave the country. So we had to drive back, and by, by, like, we weren't even promised a ticket the next day. Called my travel agent, all that, blah, 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 told them what was going on. Long story short, we go, hey, we need to get there. Sunday, we're both supposed to preach, and we're going to get there. So we ended up getting there Saturday night. Thank God. Well, look, on the way, we go, Pastor Bubba, Lady Sally called me. She goes, I got a ticket for you and, and Luke. Uh, that was like 545 that morning. I said, great, but I don't have one Pastor Josh and, and, and Josiah. I said, well, good, I'm going to call him. Hey, this is the situation, Josh. Let's just go. Let's just go. Let's just believe God. So on the way, we're pulling into the parking of the, of the, of the car, and they go, we got a ticket for Josh, but Josiah is on standby. Lindsay won't like that. We get to the airport. We think we have three tickets. We get up to the ticket counter. We're the second in line. The first guy in line, this is no lie, him and his wife are missionaries. They had the same thing happen to them the day before. Then him and I got to talk. He invited me to go to Cuba because the door opened in Cuba to come preach for them in Cuba. And then we saw him on the way coming back as well. But we get up to the line and say, well, we, we, we start explaining the whole thing and, and everything. No, we have four tickets. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, then we think we're not even going to sit together because it's going to be all over. Then we have tickets all in the same row. And the Air France lady knew that was impossible. I, I went and kissed her and hugged her and said, mm, you know, and she goes, oh, merci, beaucoup, you know, all this, you know, all this stuff. And she's like, oh, she's rejoicing. How did you do that? I go, God. Daniel understood. I think about Daniel. See, the best place that you and I can be is on our knees or in, in, in prayer. And it doesn't mean you just got to be on your knees. I'm too ADD to pray on my knees all the time. I've been reading my Bible on my knees sometimes, and I've fallen asleep drooling my Bible. Sometimes when I pray, I need to walk around. Are you hearing me? Or find a place where I'm going to stay awake. I pray when I, before I get out of bed. I pray some mornings when I'm on the way to church or I'm on the way to see someone. I'm just praying I have dependence on God. What God wants to do in my life. And what God wants to do in others. Daniel understood in his generation living in Babylonia. The culture that mocked the one true God. You know, we live in a country that's starting to mock God. He understood that certain things will only change. He realized he went into prayer and fasting. Fasting simply means this. I'm more hungry for God than I am for food. I'm more hungry for God to bring a breakthrough. And it may not be food. I'm more hungry to fast electronics for 21 days. I'm, I'm, I'm going to withhold myself from things. God, I'm hungry for you. Do you show up? God, Daniel lived with a king that said, if you don't bow down to me, I will kill you. The only way Daniel stayed strong is when the culture was dark. was through daily prayer. Prayer keeps you aware of the schemes of the enemy. You know, they say the senses of a soldier on the battlefield are so heightened when they're in battle they can begin to hear a twig that snaps a half a mile away. You know why? Why? Because they're fighting for their life. They don't, want desire, they don't desire the taste of death. So their senses become heightened. I'm like that when I goose hunt. That's the closest I can come battle. I'm still mad at geese and ducks. You know what I mean? But I can hear them. And I'd be, How do you hear that? You can't even hear people in the room. You're hard to hear them. But I just, my senses... See, if you're not connecting with Jesus daily, you're not aware of the danger that's dragging down your soul because you haven't created, created an atmosphere where you become sensitive to the things where God can speak to you and you see things. Are you with me? War sharpens your senses to the Spirit of God. The Bible says this, and let me just bring it to a halt. And pray for me, too. This is what Paul says. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain 
God's mystery, mysterious plan that the good news is for the Jews and the Gentiles. I'm in chains now. Still preaching this message is God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep out on speaking boldly for him as I should. Paul, being guarded by Roman soldiers, sees the battle. He breaks it down for us through a soldier, through armament, that we can see what God has for us as Christians. Because look at me. It's not about a religion. It's about a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus himself. I lived, I've watched family members being part of different denominations, different places, and they were just, they, it didn't change their lives. They were just a member. It's kind of like being a member of the gee club. Hold that up to the devil. I'm a member of the gee club, so what? The reality is I'm a member of the family of God. I've been bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus that accepted salvation and his, his benefit of having the power to be a son. And you can be a son or a daughter in God. And knowing that you're not alone in battle, that God goes with you wherever you go. He never leaves you and he never forsakes you, no matter what you face. I find it ironic that Paul's in chains and he doesn't ask to be set free, but he asks for strength to fight boldly. Think about that. Paul understands that true freedom is found in the willingness, look at me, to fight. You know why some of you are where you're at? Because you're not fighting. I love you. Can I just say this? You're not fighting. Truth is the front lines is always the safest place to be. What do you mean? If you're not fighting, it means you've grown cold. That you're numb. You're not aware of the great dangers. We're fighters. You know, one of the things I'm going to build my wife one day is an outdoor fireplace because her butt gets cold. She's from the Pacific Northwest, and every time we had a problem, she'd put her booty as close as she could to the fire. But the reality is how some of you are. You're attracted to the fire of God, but yet you're still cold in your heart. Where God's going, hey, let's stop being cold. Let me put my fire in you. And when you have the fire of God, you have a hunger, you have a thirst, you have a longing going, God, I want more of you. I got to give me some more of that. When I used to do drugs, word got around town. Hey, man, that guy got some good stuff. You know what? If it gets around town, I serve the most high. You want the highest you want to get? Serve the most high. When I walked through cancer, God was with me. I didn't like the situation. I liked the feelings. I didn't like the circumstances. I didn't like all that. But I know it was a time for battle. People go, oh, you, you Pastor Bubba, you just had great faith. Look at me. It's not about my faith. It's about my strong God. That he's able to deliver from the uttermost. Look, you might not face cancer, but you're facing other things in your life. And as a pastor, listen to me. Let me just encourage you. God loves you. He's not mad at you. He's just trying to draw you. See, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He draws us to God. And when we begin to see who God really is, we begin to realize he's better than we thought he was. See, one of the lies of the enemy is to make you think, all religions are the same. No, they're not. Well, you're just going to become this and you're going to become that. You're going to become a Jesus freak. Well, whose freak are you? The reality is God loves you. And the Bible says this, that he uses the foolishness of the preaching of the gospel to draw people to himself. It's foolishness to the world. But the eyes of people, people's eyes can be open. Here, let me ask you a question. How many of you are? How many of you have just, you've been numb? You've been cold in your faith. God wants to touch you. God wants to stir you. Maybe you're, you're far from God this morning. You came just to, you're searching. You know what? If you're searching, you know, God wants, God wants you to find him. If you look for him, you'll find him. Can I just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes all over this place? No one looking around. Just out of respect for who God is. Let me ask you a question. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. I, 
I'm not at the place that I really need to be or where I should be. I've, I've allowed my, my heart to been, become cold. Would you pray for me? If that's you, just raise your hand. No one looking around. Thank you. All over this place. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. Put it down. Anyone else? Thank you for being real. Hey, Pastor Bob, I'm not cold. I've, I've allowed myself just to become numb. Would you pray for me? I've just become numb. Nothing just seems to move me anymore. I'm just numb. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you. You put it down. God sees you. God knows your heart. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus. The Bible says, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father is in heaven. If you don't know Jesus and you want to be born again, that means to give your life to him. That means that what that, re- re- what that practically means, if you want all of God, you've got to be willing to give all of you to him. If that's you this morning, say, Pastor, I've allowed guilt and shame but no longer do I want to live that way. I want to give my life completely to Jesus and trust him with my whole heart. If that's you, just raise your hand in this place. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Put it down. Thank you. Let's just pray. Can you pray this with me? Everybody together say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for allowing my my sin, my shame, to blind me. This morning I come. I ask that you put a new fire in my heart. That I become hungry for you. I become thirsty for you. I cast away this numbness. I cast away these fears. The coldness of my heart. And I give it to you. This morning, I give my life to you. All of it. And Lord, I believe that if I give my life to you, that I confess my sins, though they be many, that you would receive me. And that I could be a son and a daughter of yours. Come into my heart and live and have your way. In Jesus' name.